0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to the Hub. Joining us right now, and hmm. I might argue with her because this room is full of some bad bees. But she has a new book out. It's an audio memoir on Audible, which I downloaded uh, last week, actually. Let me welcome to the show. You know her from the Wu Tang Clan. She <laughs> is she is the Matri Architect. First Asian woman in hip hop, baddest bitch in the room. That's the title of the book, Sophia Chang. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super <laughs> excited to be here.
0: I was telling the room that when you walked in last night, you definitely make a, make a scene. You come in, you have a presence. You walk so erect and upright like you own the entire room. Where did that come from?
1: Well, Karen, I was always really confident as a kid. Really confident. I knew that I was really smart, and that I could talk really well, and I could kind of talk my way into things and out of things. But my body, I did not come into until I until I started training kung fu, essentially at 30. So when I was a kid, I was little and I was scrawny and I was weak and I couldn't do push-ups and I was always the last to be picked for the baseball team or the soccer team. And then when I started training at 30 with my ex, Shi Ming, who's a Shaolin monk, I learned to communicate with my body. Mm. And I think that girls aren't really taught that in the same way that boys are. You know, boys play sports. They fight. You know, they do rough and tumble things and they're always in their bodies in a way that we aren't. And I think that I would even go further to say that I think that girls, to some degree, we're taught to be afraid of our bodies. When am I gonna get my period? Oh my goodness, I'm developing too quickly, too slowly. You know, all of the ways that we feel self-conscious about ourselves. So once I started training in Kung Fu and started to feel flexibility, strength, and power, those things manifest for me both physically and spiritually and intellectually and I think that's what you see when I enter a room but I appreciate that. <laughs> no,
0: you. I I've been watching you for a minute because you stand out, you know, when you think about the Wu Tang clan and I watched the documentary um you're like of Mike's and men, you're you're like who is this where, how did how how Sophia Chang just just I know they're in the whole Shaolin Wu Tang space but how did
1: you end up there? You know, Karen, I actually had the same question, to be frank. Hmm. When uh, I finished writing my memoir, I said, you know, I want to make a documentary about myself because now it's all about me all day long, all day. (laughs) And I asked this really smart filmmaker, and she said, you know, Sophia, now that you've written your memoir, what is the question that you are left with? And my question was, why me? So I can tell you technically how I got to Wu-Tang, right? So I moved to New York in 1987. The hip-hop scene is this big. So everybody is in the clubs. DJs, MC, graph artists, b-boys, right? But then you also have every all of the executives all across all the sectors. So the radio people, the publicists and everybody. So it's an easy scene to infiltrate as I did. And then I get my job at Jive and I'm doing A&R and the Wu-Tang demo comes across my desk and it's incredible, but I can't sign them because there's a as a genius, asked for a non-exclusive deal. We're not going to do that. But then, they, uh, then he was shopping the gravediggers another group that he had with Prince Paul. And then I met him, and then I met the other guys. So that's the, um, that's kind of the the chronology. Okay, right. that, that that's a historical part of it. But in terms of how I came to be, as I always say, raised by Wu Tang, I think that that's very different. And I did ask myself that, and I asked them that recording them. Like I said to Ray, you know, I was just this little Korean Canadian girl and there was no transaction going on, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't sign any of you at the time. I didn't manage you. I wasn't sleeping with any of you. I wasn't giving you jobs, money, access, none of that. I'm just this, I just loved them so deeply as people. And obviously had such tremendous respect and fandom for them as artists, but what they said to me, and I found the response really touching, was God has a plan, Soph, mm. and you were meant to be with us. You're like, the, like Kwan says, you're like the sister that Wu-Tang never had. And Riza says that as well. So one of the beauties of writing a memoir is that you get to acknowledge the people in your life. And who brought you to where you are? Because I always say, Am I allowed to curse? Of yes. course. Okay. We call it the baddest bitch okay. in the room. All right, but I'm going to go a little bit Listener than that.
0: discretion is advised. <laughs>
1: it's Friday. <laughs> Thank it's you. Friday, Smith. I always say that it took a motherfucking village to raise Sophia Chang. And in my memoir, I hope what people hear is me acknowledging how integral and seminal and critical those people were to my journey and Wu Tang being a really big part of that. So I think that they were like, Yeah, Soph, you, come here. right? And they claimed me so, so demonstrably. In your opening of your book, The
0: Baddest Bitch in the Room on Audible, you talk about wanting to be white. Oh yeah. And that floored me because you are the antithesis of anything that I
1: imagine (laughs) as someone who would want to be white. What was that? So as a child, I'm a yellow girl in a white world. Right. I don't see really anybody else. There weren't any black folks. There weren't any brown folks meaning Latin meaning Latinx, right? So there were brown folks South Asia. In Canada? In in Vancouver. I did not grow up I did not grow up listening to black music until I heard the message. I did not grow up around black people. So what I saw, the only exposure I had other than my family to people of color was on a screen. Mm. And in the magazines and in the books, right? I was born in 1965. I'm growing up in a white world and also a very Eurocentric world. Right. So the art that we study, the literature that I studied, is all about American classics and European masters, okay? So, and then if you think about the fact that I'm a girl and all of the images of beauty, and this has not changed that much. All of the images of beauty are white. Yeah, thin, thin white women. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're thin, white, and they're blonde. And I'm thin, but I'm not white, and I'm not blonde, right? And I had just this aspiration. And I've actually spoken to many people who are, I'm a first-gen immigrant, many people who are first-gen immigrants of color who had this experience. You know, when everything around you is telling you that what is beautiful and what is powerful is whiteness, yeah, many of us internalize that. And And it really was this beautiful journey through hip-hop, and I owe this to hip-hop, that I came full circle, Karen, back to me. And when I say me, I mean me and being Korean, being Asian, being of color, being other, and embracing that and owning that and understanding the power of it. If I don't let, I cannot let the dominant culture define me. I define me. I want to
0: get back to the Shaolin monk,
1: because
0: mm. I was under the impression that monks did not have sex because they were monks.
1: Yes, that. <laughs> but
0: this monk was your monk.
1: So do tell, Sophia
0: Chang, what was up with that?
1: So the Shaolin Temple is, uh, it's over 1,500 years old now. It is the Mecca of martial arts. It is the founding place of Chan Buddhism, and in the, I believe it was the 14th century, uh, the Emperor Li Ximin gave Shaolin monks a special uh, dispensation and they were allowed to eat meat because of training and they were allowed to drink alcohol and I think oh, okay. what was unspoken was that they it. were <laughs> if we
0: could eat meat and drink
1: and they were allowed to have sex although that's not spoken overtly my ex and Ming is somebody who lives his life out loud so many of them might do it kind of under the table he's not that man and I always I always admired that about him he never him? hit anything so I meet Wu Tang Clan. I start watching Kung Fu movies. I start watching. So there John were Wu no movies. Kung
0: Fu movies in Vancouver?
1: Not that I was watching. No Bruce Lee, no there Jim, was. Jim
0: Kelly. No. There
1: was, but I'm in denial. Okay. Right? So I'm not interested in Kung Fu movies. It's not that I couldn't uh, have access to Because you wanted it. to be
0: white. Right. And that would right. be a, yeah. so,
1: Right. So there's cultural denial going on. Mm. Right. And so I'm kind of disowning all of those things. So then I hear Wu Tang, and then I see how profoundly they respect and revere the culture that I've been rejecting. Mm. And it is through their chamber that I come back to it, and so I start watching kung fu movies, and me and my girlfriend Maria Ma, Taiwanese-American, we were like, let's do kung fu. (laughs) (laughs) So we start looking at these different schools, we start looking at these different masters, and then we hear there's a Shaolin monk teaching kung fu, and that is tantamount to hearing that Pavarotti is teaching opera down the street. Right. Or the Julia Childs is open to culinary school right around the corner. And so that was the only place that we could go. And I walked in and he didn't speak any English. She spoke Mandarin, thank God. And I went home and I called my parents that night and I said, I met the man I'm going to marry today. Hmm. Mm, I knew. Did he know? No, no, it he didn't thought, matter. no, he thought I was a boy. He was like, who is this funny little boy? <laughs> yeah. But you taught him. I did. Mm-hmm. She had to show him. I <laughs> so have Sophia a question. Mm-hmm. Please.
0: Uh, so while you're talking about your embracing whiteness mm-hmm. and the struggle within, mm-hmm. I think about some of the things that I experienced growing up. But what was your family saying about that? Because I'm imagining that they're seeing you with this struggle, right? And mm-hmm. seeing this abandonment of your culture mm-hmm. what was your family and the people close to you who who also looked like you
1: were they also in, in, in engulfed in the same struggle not like i was okay and and you know frankly so my mother's born in 1932 in north korea my father's born in 1931 and they're immigrants Oh wow. so this is not a conversation that we're having right, right? they're not fluent in this language right today For instance, I would certainly have this conversation with my children, raising them in the 21st century. Uh, But I don't think, and I don't know that my parents understood it, that it was my wanting to be white. My brother did. My brother said, well, I remember you wanted to be white more than I did. (laughs) And so for my mother, how how did it manifest? So I didn't like Korean food. Have you ever had Korean food? Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great. Bibimbap, yeah. Bibimbap, Bibimbap and bulgogi. I mean, it's this incredibly rich, robust food. And I, at one point, rejected it. And I say in my memoir, it wasn't my palate. It was my pride. You Mm. know, because I have kids making fun of my parents' names. I have kids making fun of our food because it looks different and it smells different. I have, making, I have kids making fun of the way my parents speak because they speak with accents. And so all of those things are contributing to this. And so certainly my parents understood that they were other. right? But I don't think they quite saw how much their daughter was yearning for whiteness.
0: Hey, I'm so excited to welcome Bombas to my podcast, these bomb-ass socks. You know I call them the bomb-ass socks because they're the best socks in the world. But also, they're the most conscious sock makers in the world. Did you know that socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters? Well, Bombas is on a mission to change that. They created the most comfortable socks in the history of feet, and for every pair you buy— Bombas donates to someone in need. These are special socks designed with comfort, innovations, colors, patterns, lengths, and styles. Bombas are perfect for the whole family. They even have kid sizes. And when you get your hands on a pair of Bombas socks, or better yet, your feet, your feet will thank you. They've donated more than 20 million pairs because for every pair you purchase, they donate to someone in need. These are made with super soft, natural cotton. Every pair is designed with an art support, a seamless toe, a cushioned footbed, that's supportive but not too thick. They even have new merino wool socks designed to be breathable, dry, and never itchy with just the right amount of thickness and with tons of colors and patterns and lengths and styles. Bombas also makes the perfect gift. So go get you a pair because every pair you buy, somebody will thank you out there. And save 20% on your first purchase when you shop at bombas.com slash Karen. That's bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Karen, K-A-R-E-N, save 20%. Go get those socks today. That's profound. Sophia Chang stuck around. Sylvia's here. Ron is here. Amina's here. Alexa's here. Jameson's here. There's too many people in the studio. That's all right. But during the break, I was trying not to get Sophia to talk because she's got so much to talk about. So I've invited her back to co-host with me one day because this woman is incredible. Yay, thank you. And get her book because she's reading it. On Audible, and it's her voice, and she uses a lot of F- MFs and a whole other lots of expletives. It's called the
1: baddest bitch in the room. But there's a clean version too. Is, Is there? there? Yeah, wow. it's the first time. Wow. Thank you very much. I didn't download that. The Audible right. has done the clean version. Yeah.
0: And you you voiced that too? I did. So what'd you say? MF instead of.
1: Uh, no, I called Rizza and I said, What do we do with the curses? And he said, uh, You do kung fu sounds. Sound oh, effects.
0: that's cool. Okay. So you didn't have he's to so redo. you so smart. smart. That is a brilliant, is brilliant. idea. He, he
1: was like, Come on. So if you know what the answer to that, that's why he's the de facto yes. executive producer of my audiobook. Yeah. Nice. So how did this come about? The audiobook? Yes. So. I have a really smart friend named Charlotte Coe who works at Hello Sunshine. She runs digital at Hello Sunshine. And I see her every time I go to LA. And she's one of these people that every time I'm going through a transition or having ideas, I'll call her and I'll say, Charlotte, what do you think? I happened to be in LA last February. We're sitting down at breakfast. I said, you know what? I want to, I'm going to write a memoir. And she said, you know, we might want to talk about that. Now I have no idea that Hello Sunshine is in the business of producing books you know Reese has this huge book club and she couldn't tell me at the time but eventually she revealed to me that Hello Sunshine for the first time ever audible was doing a joint venture with somebody outside Uh and it was with Hello Sunshine and she said look everything that you're talking about is exactly the ethos of Hello Sunshine Reese really believes in uplifting the stories Reese Witherspoon Reese Witherspoon yeah excuse me sorry Um, and so she you know we my agent Mariah Whitney and I shopped the deal and it was competitive and I did did frankly have more money on the table to do a print book but i decided that as soon as i had a conversation with audible i knew karen my literally my first call i said oh shit can mm. i have method man in my audio book baby and <laughs> listen okay all right <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to me <laughs> and because i knew i wanted to open my memoir with that story of us in the studio and I knew that I could get him to tell the story. And as soon as I had that, I went, oh, okay, this is the way that I want to tell my story. And look, I understand that I inverted the model because typically you know what happens. You have your print book, and then you do an e-book, and then you have an audio book, and it is verbatim what you have read. But I said, you know what? Fuck that. I don't care if there's more money. I don't care about money. I don't care if there's more money. I don't care if that's the way that everybody has traditionally done it. I've never done stuff because it's safe. I've done it because I'm passionate about it. And I knew that I could create an experience that nobody else had. So I've essentially done what nobody else has. You have the author's voice. I have 25 guest voices doing their own dialogue. I have sound design. I have DJ Scratch scratching in the greatest turntablist in the world, Mm. scratching in the music cues, and I have original score. So as far as I'm concerned, first of all, I'll take Um, my Grammy now. Come on now, come
0: on, Sophia. Chan. Come on, it's amazing. She, uh, let me. T- we were also talking. First of all, shout out to your beautiful children. Thank you. We we're talking about the Shaolin monk. Yes. is he still around? He
1: is still around.
0: Okay, y'all still, y'all still, um, monkin'. In- yeah, no, thank you. We're thank not. You. No,
1: we're not you. no, we're not monking Didn't anymore. We ceased monking. monking a long time ago. <laughs> okay, but I appreciate this euphemism. <laughs> okay,
0: we, listen. We want to be respectful. <laughs> but he is
1: the most extraordinary human I've ever met. I will never take that away.
0: What made him that for you?
1: So my ex pretty much died, for all intents and purposes, died when he was a baby, maybe two years old. And his parents, they were very poor, rural China. They're taking him out to be buried, and he gets revived. He goes to the Shaolin Temple at five. He transferred 28 years. He comes to America on the first ever Shaolin temple monks tour of america and he defects wow. and he decides that he wants to start this new life he is for sure the most he's the greatest martial artist i've ever seen and i've seen the greatest in the world he is the strongest and most powerful person i've ever seen but his spiritual center you guys i was with him for 12 years literally he did not complain once literally not once about the temperature the food or the traffic is he does not live like that because he is enlightened he's a Chan Buddhist monk and he is enlightened he always the one he taught me the greatest spiritual lessons of my life I think that the most powerful lesson he taught me was glass half full he is so positive so I would I would just bitch about things you know like oh this line is taking so long and he'd just be Zen about it Right, and he, and he would just kill people with kindness, and I just found that extraordinary, so he is truly the he is the most pure manifestation to me of mind body spirit training, so what happened? you know, I think that um I think that we grew apart, so this is my theory. I don't necessarily believe, and it's beautiful when it happens, but I don't necessarily believe that all love is forever. Maybe. I don't necessarily believe that we have a soul soulmate. I think we have many. And if you think about it, so let's say that we meet and we're so in sync. Oh my God, we love the same movies, we love the same music, we, we went to college together, and all of those things are perfectly in sync, right? But what is the likelihood, Karen, that we will evolve? Right. That we will evolve at the same rate in the same direction for eternity, right? And so this is how I picture it, and I'm sorry to do this because we're on the radio, but I picture it that we meet and we're in lockstep and we rotate, and then eventually Mm. it slows down or it speeds up and then we go in different directions. Now I'm not saying that that precludes you from being together, but what I am saying is that it's much harder to maintain, and I will say that having children makes it harder too because now you've got a whole, this is your job now. Right. I don't care whatever the fuck else you're doing, that's your job. That is your primary and primal concern. And it is very hard to maintain this when we're doing this. Oh, my God. Right. Half, you know, right. They can drown in half an inch of water, all that kind of stuff. So I I do still say that he is the most remarkable person that I ever met, but we're just not meant to be together anymore. We did what we were supposed to do together.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: That's why I'm so anti-marriage.
0: Anyway, uh, Sophia Chang. So you say you work out six days a week, you practice. Mm-hmm
1: your craft. I do. What I'm does a, that look like? So I'm at the gym six days a week, almost two hours a day. I ride a bike there and back. I do half an hour to 35 minutes of Kung Fu every day, every day. Like I know exactly what I'm doing. And then I will uh, go from upper body one day to lower body mm-hmm. the next day. I do extensive stretching. Flexibility is really important. I try to talk about this all the time in terms of don't just be flexible in your body, be flexible in your mind. You know, life is is porous. Life is elastic. And if you allow your body and your mind and your spirit to be too rigid, your life gets so small. Like the, the universe and the world is fucking amazing, right? And so if you open yourself to the bounty of the universe and you allow yourself to be flexible in that way, I think it comes back to you. I could sit at your feet for days. I just sit oh, for oh, fucking days. Yes,
0: <laughs> I, I, I cannot tell you.
1: Right I've no, been sitting seriously. here going podcast, podcast, podcast. Seriously, like
0: I, I'm enjoying listening to you oh, so much. You have no, I, I haven't even said anything because no, it's like nothing to say. And and this is the way I wanted to spend my anniversary is talking to people like you. So I, let me just say. Thank you Thank immensely. You. This is why you're coming back. This is why I demanded you sit in to. with me and pop, and definitely co-host. Honored. Yes, no. Uh, and I need y'all to go get the baddest bitch in the room. It is an incredible, unique, one of a kind experience. We need this to get a Grammy. We need all of that. All right. The baddest bitch in the room. Go to Audible. Thank and you. if you're like me, you're already a member. So you get all those free credits. It's real easy. I got free, I got six free credits and I use one of them on you because I pay that every Thank month. Thank you. Sophia, thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you. It so amazing, you guys. I would I would come back anytime. She's welcome.